Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Well, let me ask you to take your Bibles and go with me to James chapter James chapter 5. We've got today and next Sunday, and we will end this series on on the book of James, looking at the blueprints. To be quite honest with you, um, for the last uh, several months, God's been working on my heart in a lot of different ways, and uh, you know, I've struggled with some things in, in this past year. It's not been, probably it's been my, it's just been a hard year. And a few weeks ago, in our small group, um, we were looking at Second Timothy, and in Second Timothy, there's this moment where James or Paul tells Timothy, dealing with all the conflict and dealing with all the things, have gentleness. Well, I just be honest with you that night when we read those words, I didn't like that word. If you know anything about me, you know that gentleness is not one of the characteristics most people describe me as. Um, I, I'm, I like Jesus when he, can, you know, I, I, I love it that Jesus confronts people. Uh, now he does it with love. I, I, I get that. Um, a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night, we get to one of my favorite texts in Mark where Jesus turns the tables over. I'm like, yes, finally, we're going to throw tables. We're going to, let's box. Let's just straighten these people out. That, you know, that's my favorite part of, 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 of Jesus at times. But that's not all of Jesus. And so as God has been working, I know what's coming in James. I mean, if you've read the book of James, you know how James is about to end. I, I've known for weeks we were going to get to this text, and I've known for weeks that this is going to happen. It's like watching the movie Old Yeller. No matter how many times you watch it, he dies. It's not like you can watch Old Yeller again and all of a sudden Old Yeller lives. We know the end. I know what's coming with James. It's this word that none of us like. Well, let me rephrase it. Maybe you like it. You, if you like it, you're probably weird. Uh, but you're just probably different than most. It's this word patience. James is going to talk to us this morning in the idea of having patience. Now, I, I want to set this all up and remind you. As we look at this text, I, I want you to stop because the world has bought a, a sold us a, a bill of sales and we've, we've taken it in. That life is supposed to be good. That all good things happen to those who, who, who do good things. The reality is life has never been like that. It's always been a roller coaster. And take your Bible and start reading in Genesis and realize it's one of these moments through all of Scripture. And yet somewhere along the line, we've bought into this thing that we're supposed to be happy all the time and, and, and therefore that's our expectation. 
But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we're going to have moments. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. And all these things, these moments, Daniel is in the lion's den. Joseph is sold by his brothers. Israel is wandering for 40 years because they can't get their act together. It's all about the right relationship with God. And in the right relationship with God, it doesn't mean life is just a bunch of roses. It just means that we know he's going to show up and do his thing. That only God can do. And in order for us to understand that, there's this word that we have to learn to have, and that's patience. Because the world tends to think it should just happen by normal. This morning, I want to look at the formula for patience. James gives us this formula. It's a, it's a text that, that uh, I hope will speak to you as much as it spoke to me this week. So if you have your Bibles and you're James chapter 5, would you stand as we read God's Word? Beginning in verse 7, we'll go to 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, and let me just stop if, you know, therefore means you look back at what it was. Remember, they were, they were taken, abused by the rich. You know, the rich people were, were gloating over them. Their wages were held through them. They were, they were mistreated. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. That's good news. See how the farmer waits for the precious food of the earth. And is patient until it receives it. The early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Brothers and sisters, Take the prophet who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Above all, my brothers and sisters, don't, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. But let your yes mean yes and your no mean no, so that you won't fall under judgment. You may be seated. Here's our big idea today. The Bible gives instructions for the living, for living with patience. Believers must commit to following the formula. Throughout scripture we find that there is this idea of living with patience. I mean, you think, you think back through the Old Testament and you begin to see some of those men and those, those families who lived by patience, Abraham, Moses, and all, all, these, all these guys and the patience that they had. That's the formula for having the right living, what Christ wants us to do. And so James, as he closes out his letter begins to talk about patience. For no doubt, 
The people have been mistreated. He's writing to a church that has suffered a lot, has dealt with a lot. And, and, and maybe by this moment the church is thinking, okay, now, we're going, now he's going to tell us to get up and fight. No, be patient. The Lord is near. Do what? Patience. The Lord is near. Which leads us to question, if James writes the Lord is near and yet the Lord hasn't shown up yet, what's up with that? Well, let's just unpack that thought for a second. For God to redeem his people and to rescue us from our sins and to give us a place in heaven for those who, who call him father... Something had to happen. You know what that, that something was? Jesus had to come. Jesus had to come and be the sacrifice. Jesus had to go to the cross. He had to die for you and for me. That's what had to happen. Once that happened, the end can happen. You can't get there until Jesus goes to the cross. Guess what? Jesus has gone to the cross, so we're near the end. Because there's nothing left for God to do but to send his son for the second coming. And so James says, listen, Jesus has already come. He's already gone to the cross. Just understand as a believer, the end is near. What that near is, we don't know. But everything else has been done. All he has to do is show back up. In fact, he tells us in, I believe, verse 10, he says, listen, the judge is at the door. In other words, he's close. He can hear you. He knows what's happening. It's just any moment, all he has to do is come back. So what are we to do? Be patient. He's got this. And so James gives us three three people or three things to look at. And here's the first one. You should have faith like the farmer. Faith like the farmer. When you look at a farmer and you recognize what all a farmer does. I mean, if you plant a garden, you get a little bit of an idea. But you don't really know the whole scope of things. Because if you've planted a garden, likelihood is you've got an income other than the garden. For the farmer, his whole livelihood is based on planting and seeing things grow and the harvest. If that doesn't happen, he's in trouble. So there's faith that's involved in doing that. He gives us three things we see in this text. First is we embrace God's faithfulness. We embrace God's faithfulness. In verse 7 there, he tells us to wait for the precious fruit, for the, the early and the late rains. You see, in this culture, it really rained twice. An early period, April, May, and October, November on our calendars. Those were the two periods of rain. Everything else 
was dry. And so he would wait patiently. Here comes God. He's given the rain. You have to embrace God's faithfulness. When we come to moments in our life when it's life is thrown upside down, we have to believe that God is still on his throne and he knows where we are and what we're going through and what we're walking through. And listen, that's a sometimes a difficult thing when all we see around us or hear around us is trials and tribulations. If all we can see is our pain and suffering. We have to... Ex- Embrace God's faithfulness. Second thing is, we've got to express trust in God. Express trust in God. Verse 8 says, be patient. Strengthen your heart. Strengthen your heart. The New Living Translation will say, stand firm. It, it's, this, it's this moment in which you, you gather yourself and you understand that God is faithful and you're not going to let anything else convince you otherwise. That in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your your suffering, that you know that God is still in control. You express that. You trust God. And thirdly, we see, expect God's presence. We expect God's presence. In verse 9, catch what he says. I've already alluded to this. Brothers and sisters, do not complain to one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Guess what? Expect the presence of God. It's like, it's like a parent standing outside their child's door listening to the, the phone call. The dad listening to his daughter's phone call to her boyfriend. Expect God's presence. When you are in those moments, be careful with your words because God is listening. Just express your trust in him. Expect his presence. Have faith that God is in control. Have faith. Listen, to have patience, you've got to have faith. To have patience, you've got to have faith that it's going to be okay. That God is still on his throne. That God is who he says he is. The second thing James tells us in this text is to serve like the prophet. You should serve like the prophet. This is the one that I don't particularly care for. Not not the serve, that, that doesn't bother me. It's like the prophet. I mean, let's, I mean, look, look what he says in verse 10. I think I have it up here. Brothers and sisters, take care. Take the prophet who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of, what was the word there? Yes, yeah, suffering. Show of hands, how, like, how many like that word? Yeah. We don't, you know, it could have been okay. I'm not sure why James has to. How about Lord's name as an example of patience? But he has to add that word suffering there. So we see two things in this text. Uh, First, we see that uh, we're to speak God's word. That's 
that's what we're supposed to do. You know, the prophet speaks of God's word. And I kind of gave you a hint. The second one is what? Suffer for God. Suffer for God. Speaking is, we can all can do that. It's the suffer for God. I was thinking about Jeremiah today, or this week. Jeremiah was a, a prophet, a weep, they called him the weeping prophet. He had so many things go against him. His family rebelled on him. He had death threats on his life. He was thrown into a cistern, beaten. All sorts of things happened to this prophet. And then there's this one other thing. In James 7.27, he say, uh, says, that, or, or Jeremiah 7.27 says, When you speak and all those things to them, they will what? They'll not listen. Listen, you're going to go and you're going to proclaim and nobody will listen. And when you call to them, they will not answer you. James says, or James says, serve like a prophet. And remember, a prophet speaks, but a prophet also suffers. And patience comes to this moment when we recognize we're to serve regardless of what the outcome is. We're to serve regardless of what the people re respond Patience teaches us to have faith. It teaches us that we need to serve and just continue to serve even if nobody listens or nobody cares. That's patience. That's patience in trusting God. Third thing we find from our text is you should live like Job. Anybody here get excited and want a life like Job's? To have everything taken away from you? To have everything removed from you? I'm going to destroy that plant before it's over today. James ha or Job had everything going for him. First, he comes and tells us that he's lost his He's lost his servants and his cattle and all these things. And then his family and he continues. And then his health is attacked. And then he has this loving wife that looks at him and says, just curse God and die. And James says, here's the formula for, for patience. Have faith like the farmer, serve like the prophet, and live like Job. So what does that mean? Well, the first one is simply this. Perseverance through hardships. Perseverance through hardships. We come to the moment in which we all will have hardships. Verse 11 says, see, we count as blessed those who've endured. 
You have heard of Job's endurance and you have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. In other words, God knows. God sees. God's aware. So you just keep persevering. He's aware. He doesn't need you to remind him every day. He knows the pain. He looking at us, take one step at a time. Keep moving. Keep going. Just persevere. And then the second thing we find here is to proclaim honest words. To proclaim honest words. James says in verse 12, Above all, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or by earth with, an oath, with anything other, any other oath, but let your yes mean yes and your no mean no, so that you won't fall under judgment. Now let's unpack that a moment because sometimes we have this idea that we're not to give an oath. But throughout scripture we see oaths given. We, we see God giving an oath. You go tell them that I, that this is the word I'm giving and I'm going to do this. This is my word. This is my oath. So we know that Giving an oath is not sinful. We know that it's necessary at times. But the idea behind the oath is, is truth. And if you've ever, uh, just show hands out of curiosity. Listen, no, don't do that. I was going to ask how many of them had to sit before a judge before, but we probably ought not do that. I, I had to once for somebody, not because of me, praise the Lord. But, you know, do you swear to tell the whole truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. The idea there is everything you're about to say is truthful. And so they make you swear an oath. But the thing is, as a believer, we shouldn't have to swear an oath. We should just always be speaking the truth. We should always be proclaiming honest words. We, so when we talk and when we encounter people, when we deal with difficult things, when we, when we are on our highs and on our lows, the words coming out of our mouth should be honest and truth. Several years ago, my early days of student ministry, guy by the name of Rob Turner. I've had Rob preach here before. He, he, I don't know where he got it. He did it and I, we, we hung out enough that I picked it up. We, we'd be talking to a student or I'd be talking to a student and they go, yeah, I did that as a Christian. You know, I can't, I'd constantly go, as a Christian, that's, you're telling me the truth? You know, that, that would be my words. You know, if I didn't believe you, I would stop you and go, so as a Christian, are you, you know, well, the, the problem with that is, is my assumption is you're not telling me the truth all the time. So we would laughingly go, as a Christian? 
But see, as a believer, that shouldn't have to happen. We should be doing that without somebody making us swear an oath or without somebody calling our attention. And so James tells the church here, have patience. The end is near. And listen, I would tell you today the end is near. There's nothing else left for God to do. He's already sent his son Jesus. He's already gone to the cross. All we're waiting for is Christ to return. And so the end is near. What we need to do is live and act and believe as believers. And that means patience. That means having faith like the farmer, serving like the prophet, and living like Job. All three of those farmer, prophet, and Job are not easy lifestyles. They all require hard work. They all require patience. The farmer has to seek and wait for the Lord, has to put his crop out, wait for the rains, work to keep the weeds away. The prophet has to speak even when nobody wants to hear. He has to be willing to suffer even when good godly people act ugly. And Job, <laughs> daggone Job. We look at Job's life at the beginning, we think, what a life. We look at his life at the end, how glorious is God, but we forget all the pain and suffering between the two. And that's where we are. So this morning, formula for, for patience. Have faith like the farmer. Serve like the prophet. Live like Job. My question to you is, how much patience do you have? You can be like me. My patience are not always... I can't wait two minutes on the, on the, the microwave. It gets to a minute 50. Oh, that's good enough. You know, patience in traffic. Come on. I don't do that. I, I don't. But if I can find another way around, I will. Do you have patience? Is God trying to teach you patience? How do you need to respond today? Maybe today your response is there at your pew to, to acknowledge that God's put you in some positions for you to experience his grace and love. Maybe that's where you are today and you need to stop and acknowledge, God, I, I realize you're teaching me something. Help me to know what that is. 
Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ. You, all this idea of patience and God and serving and it's new to you. I'd love to tell you more about that. Maybe you're here this morning and God's been leading you and telling you that you need to join the, this church family as a family of faith so you can be a part of serving as he's called you to. Would you just respond to God today? Let's stand.